we are we discussed this. I think it's a good idea. It's gonna it's going to be quite an undertaking, but I, I would really like to do this. We're we're working on the directory, <clears throat> and I. I think what we're going to try to do is get Pastor West to set up his camera for a couple, two or three Sundays in a row and get pictures of all the families. And we want to do a picture directory that uh, everyone that, that is a part of Platte Valley Baptist Church. And so, but with that, I need some of you have not ever filled one of these out. It's a directory form. And I would appreciate it if you would do that. So if I could get an usher, just uh, if you've never filled out a directory form, would you just hold up your hand so they can get that to you, please? And if you don't mind putting that on there, would would uh, appreciate that. And uh, we, um, it's just our contact information, and then we'll have that, and then. How many would like to have a picture directory? Would you like that? Yeah. I, I think it would be good, so we, we will do that and uh, try to get that uh, into people's hands before too long. So if we, uh, we'll, we'll uh, let you know when we get the, what Sunday we're going to start putting that up. And, um, you know, next Sunday, with it being theme Sunday and probably going to be a a lot of people here, because I'm sure they've all made a commitment to be here next Sunday. Um, why don't we start next Sunday? All right, good. <laughs> Just as long as we do it next Sunday, we can talk all you want. All right. <laughs> all right. So, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17. <clears throat> We uh, so appreciate each one of you being here. And, and you know, I've, I've always struggled with this. I always thought, you know, I really need to end the theme on that last Sunday in, in December, but that doesn't always happen. And, and actually, it just, just doesn't work that way usually. And, and uh, this, this year, I had planned on doing it last Sunday and finishing up right at the very first of the year. However, uh, Thane was here and, and uh, wanted to give him an opportunity to preach before he went back to school, and, and uh, so I allowed him to do that last week, and, and so I just pushed it a week off, but hope everybody can bear with me. I always like to end uh, uh, preaching on the theme that uh, we started the year with, and I preach the same message, or I, I should say I give you the same outline. I'm not necessarily going to tell you that it's the same message, because it always changes, and, and, I, and I know that this one has changed some in, the, in, in somewhat of the focus on, on our theme. But if you recall, our theme is based off a statement that David makes to uh, Goliath right before they go into battle against each other. And, and our theme that we posted, that all the earth may know that there is a God. And, and I find that, uh, it, first of all, a, a theme helps me to stay focused, I think, through the year. And bring that up at different times. I think I need, need to do better on that and reminding us of our theme of that year. But it also seems to me that when we do this, that God honors that theme and, and, and uses that uh, in many ways. And, and I'm just excited to see how God has used us this past year to uh, get the gospel out to so many in Morgan County and 
not only Morgan County, but to be an encouragement to some of our missionaries that have come through and, and uh, thinking that, that uh, our gospel witness is being carried into other countries uh, throughout the world as we support our world missions and, and, and the, even those that are uh, here in the States. And, and uh, truly, it's a, a blessing to see that. And, and, and so we, we end our theme on, on this, this passage. And leading up to this is where I want to spend most of our time today is giving thought to what brought us to this point where David is fighting Goliath and, and uh, looking at David's unwavering faith during this time. And, and I want us to, to give some thought uh, more so today maybe on, on, uh, on the enemy and who it is that we're dealing with. And, and so we're going to spend a lot of time here in the first few verses and then move from there. But uh, first of all, we see, let's look at the enemy in the first 11 verses here in 1 Samuel 17 and, and uh, give thought to, to who he is. And, and truly, we need to understand that, that uh, the enemy of David was not the Philistine Goliath, but it's truly Satan that's the real, the real enemy that, that we are battling and fighting against. And, and here we see that uh, a description of him and Verses 1 through 3, first of all, we're going to see that most of our battles are fought in a valley. And it says, Now the Philippines gathered together their armies to battle, and were gathered together at Shoko, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shoko and Azekah in Ephesdamine. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together, and pitched by the valley of Elah, and set the battle in array against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. You know, it was this year that I had a pastor friend send me a text, and, and what a great reminder, and, and, and we even looked at that passage on Sunday night this, this past year, but it, we, we were looking at the life of David, and, and if you recall, when David was still running from from uh, uh, Saul and, and hiding from him. We know that there was a point in time where David made a bad choice, but he went into the land of the Philistines, and, and it tells us that he stayed in an area called Ziklag. And, and it was there that David was hiding out, and, and the Philistines went to war with, with, uh, against Saul. And, and while David was there with his men, uh, it tells us that that uh, uh, David went out to do battle against Israel's enemies on the backside that, that uh, the Philistines didn't know about. But while Saul was in battle and actually losing his life uh, uh, during that time, we know that David was doing battle with some of the enemies. And, and while he was gone, it tells us that the enemy came in and, and took all of the, uh, their, their wives and all of their children that were there in Ziklag, if you recall. And and anyway, th this preacher sent me an encouragement, and, and he said, you know, there comes a time where the enemy comes into Ziklag and steals everything from you, and there comes a time where you have to go back to Ziklag, and it's there you have to take back that which the enemy has taken from you. And I gave a great thought to that, and, and at the time it, it uh, helped, but here just a couple of weeks ago, I, I was clearing out text messages on my phone and trying to speed up my phone a little bit and, you know, the thousands of text messages you have. And so I'm just scrolling through those and deleting things that I didn't think that I needed any longer. And, and I, that one popped up. And I, 
and I read that and, and uh, just this overwhelming peace and, and giving thought to this and, and, and thinking about here we have, where were the Philistines? The Philistines in, in this passage here in chapter 17 had moved into Judah. That's not their area. That's God's nation. That ought to be God's, that's what part ought to be controlled by God. And, and you know, as I think about that in, in our own lives, and yes, I'm spiritualizing this somewhat, but you need to give thought to your own life and, and your own spiritual walk that you are having and, and thinking about the borders of your life and how this all ought to be controlled by God. And, and you know what? There are some times when, when the enemy sneaks in and sets up to do battle in a place where he doesn't belong whether it be in your own life, whether it be in your own family, and those challenges that you're going to be dealing with. And, and here he is. He's, he's set up this area, and, and, he's, and the enemy is declaring to do war against you, and he's in a place where he just cannot be. And, and you know what? There comes a time where, where what he has robbed you of and, and, and what he's taken away and deceived you by in your carnal living or, or in your, your ideas of, of fear or whatever else that has caused you to, to make the journeys that you have that's taken you away from God, there comes a point where you have to come back to that ziklag, and it's there that you need to take back that which the devil is trying to take away from you. And you have to do battle. And you have to do war against those things. And, and that's what we're going to look at here. And, and maybe, maybe you as a dad, you haven't been the spiritual leader that you need to be. Well, today is the day where you say, I'm going to take that back. Today is the day where, where our, 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 our marriage hasn't been what it ought to be. Well, today is the day where Satan is no longer going to have that stronghold in my, in my marriage and, and I'm going to take that back and, and I'm going to love my wife as I should or I'm going to honor my husband as I should and I'm going to love him like Christ loved the church and, and I'm going to love her like Christ loved the church and I'm going to do the things that, that God wants me to do and I'm going to take back those things where, where the devil and the enemy has set up and, and tried to take away from me. But I want you to know that when you do that, there's a battle to ensue. And you need to understand that nowhere in the Scriptures does it say that while we as believers are living here on this earth that things are going to be easy. Nowhere does it say that everything is going to be good and mild and, and, and all we're going to do is walk through fields of daisies and, and have clear blue weather and, and all is going to be good. Rather, it says that those who live righteously shall suffer persecution. It tells us that there's a battle that goes on every day in our lives and against our families and how we need to choose whether we are going to do battle with the enemy or not. And let me tell you, Usually those battles are done in the valley. In the valley. It's there where you're having the issues with your child. It's in that valley where you are concerned about the direction that, that your child may be going and, and, and you're wondering and you're pleading and you're thinking, what is it that I can do differently and, and how can I, how can I uh, win this child back? Well, you need to go back to the Scriptures and, and you need to go back to what God is showing you that you ought to do in your own life and you do battle in that valley. And so whatever it may be, but there will be a valley and. It's there where we do most of our fighting. 
But I want you to know that as you're in that valley that the enemy is very intimidating and, and he's large and he's very powerful. And, and you know what it tells us over in, in, in uh, the Gospel of John and, and Gospel of John in chapter 10 and verse 10, the first part of that, it says, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. Oh, whenever we let... When, whenever we let the enemy come into the boundaries where he shouldn't be and he sets up camp and, and here it is that he starts getting a stronghold in your life, well, I want you to know that that stronghold is there and all he's trying to do is to steal and destroy and to kill and, and to take you out and, and not only to take you out but to take all, out your entire family and, and wash them away and, and get them out of the, the service of God and, and get them to the point where they're desperate and they're hooked by their bonds and that there's no way that they think that they can ever get out. And, and here we know that you look at this and you think how, how large and how intimidating that he can be. And look, Satan is a is a force that we do not want to reckon with. At the end of the year, as I finished up reading through the Scriptures again and, and reading through Revelation, do you understand that God uses four angels to wipe out a third of the earth? Four. Four angels. That's all it takes. And it tells us that Satan at one time was the most glorious angel that God had ever created. You think not he's powerful today? Absolutely. And he is a viable force that we, we need to understand and realize how powerful and how wicked he is and, and how easy it could be that, that he could take us out if we are not on our knees and begging and asking God to help and protect us and guide us. And, and here we see that he is very large and he's very powerful. And, and so it says, and there went out a champion out of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits in a span, nine feet, nine inches tall. I mean, that's Honestly, that's probably about how tall I am standing on the platform. However, they said that he probably would have weighed somewhere around 500 pounds. And he was all muscle. This guy wasn't some overloaded Krispy Kreme eater. This guy was carrying, I mean, you, you look at this, and, and, and he was carrying 125 pounds of brass, what was his coat. It tells us that the head of his spear weighed 15 pounds just the head of his spear. It tells us that it took one guy just to hold up his shield that he had. Oh, he was a mighty force that was standing there, and here he was, one man by himself, standing out there beating on his chest and daring the army of Israel to come and fight against him. Oh, our enemy, he is powerful and intimidating. And verse 8, it says, And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am not I a Philistine and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. You see, our enemy respects no one. Our enemy doesn't respect God. He turned on God. And that's why God cursed him and put him down here upon the earth. And here he allows him to reign in this wicked world today. 
only doing that which God allows him to do. But here we know that that he has no respect for God. He has no respect for those who are unsaved. He has no respect for those that have trusted Christ as their Savior. As a matter of fact, those of us who know Christ as our Savior, he hates you with such a hate and a disgust and a defilement that he will seek to do everything he can to destroy you. And it's a battle. And so our enemy respects no one. And then verse 11, when Saul and all Israel heard those words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Just the words. Here we see that if we take our eyes off God, we see that, that uh, we will fear the enemy. And, you know, think about something else. This just came to my mind as I was sitting here thinking about this. Maybe you're, you're doing battle right now to keep your children and not let Satan have your children. May I say your words are very powerful? May I say that the things that you say can affect your children in a positive way or a negative way? And they are very powerful. They can instill fear. Sometimes they need to instill fear. Sometimes it's that mom's look that instills fear. Oh, we all have seen that, right? You know, there are times where that fear needs to be there and it needs to be healthy fear. But your, your children should fear disobedience. And, and your children should fear that, that they, they don't want to disappoint you. But there should never be a terror of you as a parent. Does that make sense? I hope we all understand that. There is a difference. And here these people feared, feared this man because they're, they'd lost their focus. When you do battle, when you try to take back that which Satan has tried to, the enemy has tried to steal from you at Ziklag, well, you need to understand that you always need to keep your eyes on God because that enemy is going to be doing everything he can to stop you. And, and sometimes we know that fear can even immobilize you to where you're afraid to do anything. You see, and the, and the thing that about this that we need to understand that as a believer is that Satan can only do to you what God allows. We know that from, from Job's own life. And, and it's there that Satan had to petition God for Job. And, and God said, you can do this, but that's as far as it goes. And that's all Satan did. Because God only allowed that much. And, and so God may be allowing these things in your life and, and allowing these things to happen. And, and you know what else we got to get past? We got to get past that all these bad things that are going on and, and, and getting, wanting to get mad and blame God for all of these things. Look, you live in a wicked world. You live in a sinful nature. Your children have a sinful nature. It's not God that's doing the bad things. It's you. It's our sinful nature. It's our sinful world that we live in. This isn't some utopia that everybody is going to get along and, and we're all going to hold hands and sit around a campfire and sing kumbaya. It's not going to be that. And, and we need to understand that, that we are in a wicked world here and, that, and, and that, that our children are sometimes going to be making carnal, ungodly, wicked decisions. And, and we also will do that if we're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. And whenever we do those things, bad things happen. And it's not God's fault. God, do you understand how good God is? God is good. And I'm not talking... 
describing him in some materialistic way. I'm telling you that God is everything that is good. That's who God is. He doesn't represent that which is bad. And so we live in a wicked world. And so sometimes bad things happen in our lives. God is doing that and allowing those things to happen for a number of reasons. He wants you to understand that there ain't nothing here you need to fall in love with, guys. But there's something a whole lot better that we can look forward to. But you also need to understand that while you're living in this wicked world, that the only way that you're going to have victory over your enemy and, and truly have joy and a peace in this wicked world is that your faith grows in your trust of who he is. God allows Satan to attack us at times to prove us and to show that we have a sincere, authentic faith. You know what happens so often? We see it with these people. We see that fear causes, causes erratic behaviors. It causes us to do things that usually we wouldn't do. It causes us to do things that, that you think you did, but you didn't do. And so I, I think of, uh, I, I read, a, read an article of, uh, of a, a guide, professional hunting guide that was, uh, was in Montana. I think it was last year this happened. Guy, this guy was an outdoorsman. I mean, well, well versed in what was going on, and took a guy elk hunting, and and this guy had a had a Glock, ten millimeter. I mean, he had a he had a big gun, four bears to protect him from bears, and he got attacked by a bear, and and he died, and and the investigator said when they when they they went up, they killed the bear. Yes, I know, terrible thing, isn't it? Shoot the bear, but anyway, they kill the bear, and I'm being facetious, okay? Kill them all. I don't care. All the wolves, too. Let's get rid of them. But anyway, we, <laughs> we, uh, <clears throat> they said when they investigated that what they thought happened was the guy saw the bear, draws his gun, and pushes the button, and it drops the magazine out, and it jacks thinking he's going to jack a shell in, a round in, and he jacks the one in, out that he had in there, magazine dropped, and had nothing to protect himself. And he died. And he died. You know, there, there are times where that's why God says, he, he told Timothy in Paul's writing in 2 Timothy 1, verse 7, God hath not given you the spirit of fear, but what? But of power and of wisdom and love and a sound mind. Power, love, and a sound mind, a healthy mind. You see, when we let fear control us, we do things that we usually don't do, and that's when the enemy can kill us. When we act in erratic behavior, Oh, here, you know what I see? I see here that, that these people were, were, were afraid. In verse 24, it says, And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him 
and were sore afraid. I, I mean, they were, they were terrified. It, it tells us in verse 11 that they were dismayed and greatly afraid. I mean, get in lands. you got the whole army right here. You have God on your side. How in the world, if God is on your side, then how can you ever lose? And, and how can this battle not be won? And, and there are times where here we are, we're looking at, the, uh, we're looking at our enemy, and, or we're looking at this battle that's going on, and, and you're thinking, God, there's no way that, that I can win this, and it's too big. And, and then you start making these decisions based on your fear, and, and you start thinking, oh, I can do this, or I can do this. And, and the world has all kinds of ways to try to explain away your fear and and help you with your fear and their ungodly and reprobate and and carnal ideas that have no scriptural advice whatsoever and and oh you need to take this or or you need to go there or or you need to look may I tell you something your your geography change will never help you because where you go there you will always be I know that's astounding and very deep to think I thought of that myself you know why Because I've tried that. You try to go on a vacation. You try to take some time and and, and just to to mellow out. And and you know what? Unless you deal with the problem spiritually, it's always there. You can go to Timbuktu, and it'll still be there. Oh, and we need to understand that we do battle. We do battle spiritually. We do battle with that giant that might be in your life, whatever it may be. You might think there's no way that I can get through this and, and through the fear that you have and, and thinking that I, I just can't have victory over this in my own life, God, and, and i got to do all these things. And, and so you start going off on this carnal path and, and you know what you're doing? You're, you're dropping the magazine out of your gun and you're jacking the round out of your, out of your pistol and here comes the enemy and you're going pew, 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 as he eats you and destroys your life. And you're dead. Maybe not physically, but your whole testimony is blown. And your children, you've lost any, any hope of being that kind of a testimony and source that they need in their lives. And you lose to the battle. And you lose to the enemy because you let this fear get a hold of you. And you know what else happens? When you start standing by faith and, and standing against these things, you know, you know what Satan likes to do? He likes to turn your own family against you. Many times. It says here, and the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And, and Eliab, his eldest brother, here's David's eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? Boy, isn't that always the statement of a, of a younger sibling? What did I do? Yeah. Well, here he had just cause to say that. What have I done? All I did was ask what's going on. And, and here I see this reprobate Philistine that, that here he is making fun of our God and, and making fun of our nation. And all I did was ask, well, who's going to go? Who's going to do it? Oh, you need to be quiet. 
You don't need to be doing that with your children. Oh, you, you, you do these things with your children and, and the rest of the world is, is going to look at you like you're some kind of a nut. And Oh, you just don't need to be so radical in your ideas and, and in your beliefs. And, and oh, you need, to, you need to pull back on that religion thing that's going on in your life. And oh, I don't, I don't mind you talking about Jesus some, but don't be bringing it into my home and, and don't, be, don't be telling me that all these things are, are wicked and wrong and, and, and don't be telling me that, that these things are, are the way that we ought to live. You just you need to quit your radicalism in your life and, and you need to get back to who you used to be. We like you much better like that because ultimately they don't want to tell you this, but you don't bring conviction in their, li- in their lives whenever you're living carnally like the rest of them. But you say, I'm going to make a difference in my family. And I'm going to make a difference for my children, and my wife. I'm not going to treat her the way that I've seen others treat them. I'm going to raise them in a way that's honoring and pleasing to God. And it doesn't matter who says anything about it. I got so sick of people telling me when we were homeschooling our children, well, they're just not going to get much socialization. Yeah, I know. They're not going to dress up in, in Garth or, or whatever that stuff is and paint their fingernails black and and make themselves look like a zombie and walk around and tell them, well, there's some nice socialization. Or whatever. They come home when they're 12 years old, cussing like a sailor. That's good socialization. Or when they're eight, and they've been taught by the teacher, sex ed. Sad day, isn't it? I'm like that meme where when I was eight years old, the only thing I needed to do was make a mud pie and thought I was pretty good at it. But oh, you see, you see God, God allows these things in our lives to grow our faith. And sometimes Satan uses those who are the closest to us to try to discourage us. And here was David's own brother. David, you need to go back to what you're doing. But God uses the faithful. Those that understand what the Scriptures say, and God, by the best of my knowledge and and my understanding of your Word, and, and by the peace of the Holy Spirit guiding me in this, and not by what others are telling me, or, or not by what I see out there in the world, but, but by what you tell me, that is how I'm going to raise my family, and this is how I'm going to behave in my life, and these are the things that I'm going to do in my life, and And whenever you do that and you say, God, I want to be faithful in doing this, He will use you and 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 you'll find out that, that you are right where He wants you to be. David was there right when God wanted him to be there. And God used the faithful. God used the insignificant. And here you give thought in verses 32 and 33, And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. My servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Hey, I'll do it. I'll do it. You know, it's interesting. You go back just a chapter before this, and it was there where Samuel anoints David to be king. And if you recall, Samuel goes to David's dad and says, I want to see all your sons. So he brings all his sons and marches them in front of Samuel and Samuel starts with the oldest and goes to that youngest one there, and he's like, no, no, this isn't it. Do you have any more? 
And David said, yeah, I got one more. He's the youngest. He's the, he's the insignificant one. He's really the one that really doesn't matter at all. And he's out taking care of the sheep where he ought to be right now. Samuel said, I'm not leaving until I see him. He brings David in front of him. And God says, that's the one. That's the one that I want. Because, see, I don't want the guy that was like Saul that stood head and shoulders above everyone, that looked to be the powerful king and and was going to give us victory because now Israel is looking to this man for their delivery rather than looking to myself and, and looking to, you know, for God to give them delivery, but deliverance. Instead, they're looking to Saul. And he said, I don't want that. I want the one that's most insignificant. I, I want the one that the world looks at and says, oh, he doesn't matter at all, and he's not going to make any difference. And, and God looks at that one that, that is insignificant in the world, and, but he's not insignificant in his faith, but he has an extraordinary faith in trusting God, and God says, that's the one. That's the one that I'm going to use. And then we see that David uses his own experience in, in, in his, in, and it's helped grow his faith. And he says, hey, Saul, you don't need to worry about this. I, I got my slingshot. He said, I know I can kill this guy. I killed a bear and I killed a lion with this very slingshot. you imagine that? I've seen a couple of bears when I was out elk hunting. I had a seven mag and a 300 mag on different occasions. And I still didn't feel very safe. I'm just a big chicken, you know. And then all the way back to camp, you know, you're walking with your eyes wide open and about six stumps almost bit the dust, you know. If somebody would have been hiding behind a tree, we'd all died. But here he is, this young man, and he said, hey, I know I can do this through God's help. God delivered these, these animals out of, my, out of the, the, the flock, and I know that he can do the same thing. And so we see that our experiences grow our faith. Remember those times in your life when you're doing battle. You need to remember the times where God has given you deliverance and, and given you victory and, and, and gain courage from that and, and understand what He's doing and how He's using us. And, and then we also need to understand that as we do this, be willing to defend God's glory. And, and so David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion, out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with thee. You know, there, are, there is a time in our lives where you just got to say enough is enough. And I'm not going to let the world just trample over me and decide for me who I am in my identity. And they're not going to tell me what's right or what's wrong. God's Word is. God's Word is going to be my direction God's Word is going to be my guide, and I'm going to live my, my life according to what God's Word has to say. You know, the challenges are coming. I mean, I, I read articles of, of our politicians that are, that are trying to say that, that they are trying to get it legislated where it is hate speech if we tell people that, that living in a homosexual life is, is wrong in the Scripture. That's going to be considered hate speech. One guy that's running for president, if it's true, said that I want to actually register them as a domestic terrorist. The battle is coming. But what do we do? We do battle. We stand for what's right. We, we defend the Word of God. We defend 
the very glory and honor and presence of God. Does He need us? No. Does He want us to? Yes. And so we stand for His honor and His glory. And our courage, we see, comes from a faith. Here's what God's equipped us with. Here we see that David used a slingshot. You might be sitting out there thinking, man, I don't have much to offer. You know what? David thought the same thing, I'm sure, at one time. I'm the youngest guy. Why are you anointing me king? I, don't, I, I just take care of the sheep. It's the only thing I know to do. God used that to show him how to take care of the sheep of Israel. You might be thinking, I don't have any special gifts or talents or abilities. You know what? Be faithful with what you have. God takes the insignificant and makes it extraordinary. Know how we need to understand that our lives are all about God. And we use what it is that God has given us and equipped us with. And, and then it shows us, and the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bare the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. He despised him. He looked down with him at con with contempt. He was insulted that they would send some young kid out here that's not even worthy of a battle, doesn't even have any armor on, doesn't have a sword, doesn't have a bow and an arrow, doesn't have anything that, that a warrior would be facing him with. Instead, he insults him by walking out there dressed as some lowly shepherd and all he has is some stinking little piece of leather with a rock and here he's looking at him and disdained him for he was but a youth and ready and of a fair countenance. The Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog that thou comest to me with staves? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. Whatever the enemy has on you right now, maybe it's some kind of an addiction. Maybe it is you concerned about your child and that child's heading in the wrong direction. Maybe you're facing some opposition from family members that are trying to get you to go a different direction. Maybe your marriage is in shambles. Maybe you're living a life of fear. Maybe you're living a life of carnality in, in your lifestyle and all these things and, and, and here they are and, and you say, I, Lord, I, I want to do battle with this. I want you to know that that enemy is going to stand up and that enemy is going to start cursing you and that enemy is going to try to intimidate you and the enemy is going to try to cause you to curl up in fear and, and, and defeat and say, there is no way that I can get through this and, and there's no way that, that I can have victory in this and, and there's no way that, that anybody's ever going to change this person's mind or, or there's no way that, that this addiction that I have, it's so big and, and it's carried my life for so long and, and I just can't get rid of it and, and here it is standing up and, and cursing me and, and cursing my God and, and cursing my walk and, and, and there's just no way that, that I can get through this. And, and you know what David did? Even though he was walking, and here we see when we read Psalm 23, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they 
comfort me. And here was that very time when David said, whether I live or die, God, I know that you're going to get glory. And in this, I trust that you're going to kill this man. And, and you're going to give us victory. And I'm going to stand out here. And I'm going to walk. And I'm going to go through that valley of the shadow of death. And nothing is going to be a, cause me to be afraid. And nothing is going to take this away. But God is going to give me deliverance of it. Whatever it is, might be depression, might be alcoholism, might be a wayward child that's an adult today, and you just think, I just can't win this, and you just live your life with a heartache that God doesn't want you to live with, God can do anything. He wants to do. And so we trust Him. And we walk with Him through the very valley, the shadow of death. And we walk with Him because His rod and His staff comfort us. And He walked with Him. And then verse 49, and David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slung it and smote the Philistine in his forehead that the stone sunk into his forehead. And he fell upon his face to the earth. I know I've used this illustration in the past. Some of you archery hunt. Goes along more even with a rifle too, but I don't have the struggle with a rifle like I do with a bow. But one of the things with a bow, and especially if you hunt traditionally, with a recurve or a longbow and shoot instinctively where you don't use sights at all and, and you shoot instinctively. You know what I found when, when I've been successful is when that animal comes up, and in my case this has been a mule deer or a whitetail, but <clears throat> is you stop focusing on the head of the animal and, and you stop focusing on all the body of the animal and you start looking for that elbow you start looking for this little brown crease in his body, darker than the rest of the hair. You find a little spot, just a little anomaly in that spot, and you focus on it. You stay focused on it. And animals come in. I mean, you're excited. You're nervous. Your heart's about to jump out of your, out of, out of your throat. Your heart, you know, and, and you're, you're breathing hard. You're watching. You keep an eye on that spot, and you draw, and then what do you do? You never kill anything. You never harvest anything until you let it go. And by faith, you trust that that arrow is going to go where you're watching. And when I stay focused, I harvest the animal. And you hit right where you're looking. And you watch that animal expire within seconds. You celebrate by what God has given you. But it never happens until you release the arrow. Nothing happened here until he put that rock in that sling. He gets the whipping around his head. And as he's running towards the enemy, he slings the stone. And he hits him right where he needs to hit him. Because God guided that stone and gave him a victory because of his faith. Nothing will ever happen nor change in your life 
until you by faith sling the stone. Sling the stone. God, I'm going to do battle against this that has beset me, that has wiped me out, that has almost destroyed my life, that keeps me in sorrow, in grief, in shame, in despair. God, today, I sling the stone, and I do battle, and I do battle. And God will give you victory when you, by faith and obedience, follow Him and trust Him. And then what does He do? He then leads by faith, and others follow Him. They see your faith, and they follow you, and He promotes Him to be King. How do we let all the world know that there is a God? We trust Him. We obey Him. And we sling the stone. And we do battle. And God uses us. Not only does He give us victory. Now, is it easy victory? No. No. There's a lot of bloodshed. There's a lot of grief. There's a lot of tears. There's a lot of where, where you charge the hill and you get almost there and then you get pushed back down and maybe you even fall down. Maybe sometime you, you lose your focus and you, and, and you call out in fear and you, and you fall back a little bit. But you know what? You get back up because God's standing there and He's lifting you up and He says, hey, this battle's not done. You're not out of this yet. You're not in heaven yet. You're still here. And so get up and let's go. And so you get up and you're a little stronger. And now you know a little bit more about the enemy and, and what he's doing against you. And you and you guard against this. And you hold up the shield of faith. And, and you guard against that. And you, and you go a little further. And you, you make some more progress. And then all of a sudden you lose your focus and you and you cower in fear and, and the Satan and, and Satan and the enemy is, is about to get the best of you and then God reminds you through his word and, and through other believers and, and through your past victories and, and he reminds you, hey, I'm still here, you're okay. And then you hold up the shield and you stagger up and you keep moving and you keep going forward and you keep getting these scars and you keep getting bloody at times. But then there comes the day when you finally, when God says, that's enough enough, you come on home. And you win the victory. And you win the victory. And your spouse sees that. And your children see that. And your grandchildren see that. And this community sees that. You may be dead and gone. And somebody comes to trust Christ because they saw your faith. And you led the way. That is when all the earth may know that there is a God. Give us warriors who will stand for God. Who today, you humbly pray to God. God, use me. Use me today. And I know that you can't use me today until I do battle with this Philistine that's in my life. And today, I sling the stone. Today, I focus on you. And tomorrow, I focus on you. And January 30th, 
I focus on you. July 7th, I'm still focused on you. And at the end of the year, you can stand up and testify. God has given me a victory in 2020 that I thought could never be defeated. And God gave me victory. And I was able to defeat my Goliath, not by me, but by Christ. Oh, how good he is. Do you trust him that way? Do you truly trust him like that? Well, let's do. Let's do. Let's do battle. Let's go back to Ziklag. Let's take back what the enemy has stolen and give us victory. Starts with you today. Starts with you being open and transparent with God. It starts with a humble mind and a humble heart. Whatever it is, you confess it to God today before you leave here today. It might be your unbelief. And today you need to trust Christ as your Savior. You trust Him today with an open heart. You might have been one that's always been the, been the Saul, all powerful and able to handle everything that comes your way. You'll never handle the great white throne judgment and walk away from that. The only way you're going to handle that is through the blood of Christ and forgiveness and deliver you from it. Trust Him today. Whatever your Goliath is today, you tell God. You tell God today what that Goliath is. And you tell Him today that God today, I sling the stone. Today I do battle. And I want you to give me victory so that all the earth may know that there's a God. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the courage of David. Just a young man who's insignificant, just like us today, maybe not young, but insignificant. And Lord, everybody's sitting here. Oh, I know. Everybody sitting here has a Goliath. And God, I want that Goliath destroyed in my life. And I know you want it destroyed too, and I know that you will. And I pray by faith and ask you to give me deliverance of that. And I pray for each one sitting here today, whatever their Goliath is, Today, we do battle, and you give us that deliverance. Whether it be today, whether it be tomorrow, whether it be six months into the battle, six years into the battle, 20 years into the battle, but one day you give us that victory, and we testify of your goodness, your power, your strength, that, Lord, through our faith, that others will see your saving grace and that all the earth may know how good and powerful you are. God, I pray you do a work in our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.